0: are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back everyone to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host Matt coming to you on February 8th of 2022. Got a uh, pretty interesting episode this week. Going to talk some more about the CBA negotiations or their lack of uh, and some other news on that front that's came out in the past week. Um, we have a little bit little bit of an update on the Trevor Bauer situation. And then after that, we will look into the NL Central Division breakdown. But before we get into all that, Matt, we missed you last week. How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, last week, uh, you know, I
1: obviously I've talked about Auburn a lot on the show uh, just you know my fandom and stuff they were playing uh you know they're play they're number 1 in the country basketball They actually lost tonight in overtime so they'll probably drop out of number 1 but they're having like a historically great basketball season so last week they were playing their biggest rivalry on Tuesday night and I uh <laughs> I was I was not going to miss it so <laughs> uh let David fill in for me but um but yeah I was uh, I hope I uh, hope everyone had a you know enjoyed having David on the show and been meaning to get him on for a while and um, but we'll uh, you know I missed being here last week and uh, ready to get some get some baseball talking not talk baseball in a while feels like so uh, ready to go
0: yeah it's been uh, you know I couldn't do it later on in the week so we didn't have David on last week but glad you're back this week we'll uh, you know be sure not to make that a, a regular occurrence there okay. but uh, you know let's go ahead and, and we'll kind of just start off with Some news that broke, I believe it was Thursday last week, um, and that was that the MLB owners and the players had been going back and forth. We thought we actually had, you know, a little bit of progress, um, and then it kind of got stonewalled. And we talked about that a little bit last week, me and David. Um, But now this week, the owners have basically requested federal mediation from the government, uh, you know, to try and help resolve this lockout a little bit sooner, uh, and. That would have to be agreed to by the players. The players ended up declining that, saying, we don't need that. We just need to do this ourselves. Uh, The owners basically said, well, we're not going to offer you a new deal then. We're not even going to try to do it unless we get mediation. Uh, But it is a little bit of a weird scenario because the owners' meetings actually started today in Florida. Um, They're supposed to go, I believe, through Thursday. And at the end of those, man, Rob Manfred is supposed to talk to the media um, and the players are doing their own little um, meetings this week, I believe, in Arizona to start the week and ending somewhere in Florida. So there is a little bit of hope that maybe they get to the table Thursday. Um, but, you know, as of right now, it looks like we're kind of in a, a stone wall between the players and the owners.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's a few things that I like that I've seen out of the negotiations, but the same time you know it really is frozen on the on the terms of it um i actually i really like the idea that, that the sides came up with on the uh bonus pool for pre yard players i thought that was a really cool idea because there's you know there's some players that are just insanely good that are you know just are getting paid like major league minimum and you know the fact that they can't take advantage of how good they are in case they get injured later in their career and you know they're get paid. I mean, they're obviously getting paid a lot more money than, than all of us, but, you know, they're getting paid a, a lot less money than they could be making. I think that that's a good idea. I, I think that the, you know, the the totals, the total number of figures that are coming out of that are, you know, just they're so wildly different. It's hard to believe, but um, just for example. But, um, you know, some some of these things, a mediator, I don't, I, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know how all this works exactly. Honestly, to me, a mediator sounds like a good idea in general because I feel like a mediator is probably a good way to get a fair, you know, c- agreement. But obviously, the players don't believe in believe that the mediator would, you know, side with the with Major League Baseball. And I mean, they feel like they don't necessarily need it unless sides are making a real uh, real offers to each other, and it would just be like a third party get in the way. So I understand that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's big news, you know. I think the deal could get done somewhat quickly with a mediator, but obviously, you know, both sides seem to think or the players seem to think that that wouldn't get a very good deal for them. So, um, you know, I don't know if it's great optics just for general public for the players to decline that, but it does make sense if you kind of think about it. So.
0: Well, the players big, uh, big gripe about that is that when the last lockout happened, um, they did have mediation, federal mediation, and it didn't really help much at all. It didn't do anything. The players see it more as a, you know, a a media stunt at this point from the owners by trying to save face and say that, hey, look, we're trying and the players don't want to help us. Um, It is interesting that some of the players have come out recently. I know like Stroman came out, um, I believe a couple days ago you know, tearing apart Rob Manfred, uh, Paul Seawald, who's a Mariners, uh, relief pitcher was on in Seattle radio show today. And basically said like, look, we don't need a mediator. We just need you guys to, to give us a proposal. And then we can keep going back and forth with that. Uh, and then Adam Wainwright had a charity event this past week. Uh, and he even was basically saying that at this point, the owners don't even want to give us what we had last year. Uh, and basically they, he had said that if, you know, if they gave us the exact deal that we had last year, spring training wouldn't be, you know, postponed. Nothing would be We'd like we'd be full on back into the off season and have a full season of baseball this year. Um, and it just seems like, at least from their side, that the owners don't want to, you know, don't want to even give them what they had this past year. Uh, so it is pretty interesting, and it just seems like it's on the thing that it's getting a little nastier. But hopefully the nastiness leads to, you know, somebody finally just saying, like, screw it, let's just fix this.
1: Yeah, it does. Um, I, I'm starting to get a little bit bothered by the fact that both sides are trying to plead to the media about everything because it seems like it's just trying to distract themselves from the fact that they have to get together. Like whoever's getting knocked in the public eye, like it doesn't help anybody for – you know, for for the everyone to think that Major League Baseball's organization, the owners are all corrupt. It doesn't help anybody to think that. You know, for the for MLB trying to make people think that the players are being greedy and trying to take advantage, and they're getting paid enough already. It doesn't that doesn't help anybody. I wish the both sides. I mean, obviously, you're gonna have. You know, you're gonna have news come out, and there should be news. Everyone needs to know, you know, what are we getting baseball? You know, that's the question everyone's asking. It should be news, but both sides, with all the, you know, publicity and media, and the MLB blacking or blacking out all the faces on on their websites and taking down all the articles, and you know, I, I just don't, you know, I, I wish that the sides would just kind of. Uh, You know, both of them would just kind of handle this, Uh, but especially the, especially on MLB's side has been very unprofessional. I I think the players have come across a little bit whiny at times, but MLB side has been unprofessional with some of the stuff they've done. I wish they would just stop with the, you know, mumbo jumbo and just get to get to business and talk, you know, figure things out. You know, what is important to you? The players, I think service time manipulation is very important to the players. So, you know, I don't think they're – I think that that pre-arb thing that they're talking about and, and potential, you know, bonuses for, you know, having players start on the opening day roster, stuff like that, that's good stuff. You know, that's stuff that they can base off of. Um, you know, I just I, – I don't think that I, – I, I'm worried that the – you know, especially with the way service time manipulation is going anyways, but um, I, I think that – you know, I wish they would just kind of try to handle this and they're making a full—they're making a fool out of, especially MLB, making a fool out of themselves by the media stunts. So, you know, the media is not going to be what determines what the agreement is. And, uh, you know, it sounds like both sides are trying to eliminate guilt by, you know, making trying to make themselves feel less bad about it by cut out the media, especially MLB. So I, I don't, you know, I wish they would just kind of stop with the talk and get it done. So,
0: Yeah, it, it's... I mean, it's the age old thing. You use the media to drive your narrative, Um, and it it, MLB is notorious for doing that. Especially Rob Manfred, Uh, and then you know the players are just kind of using like, oh well, you guys are doing it, so it must work for us too. And it it does seem like bad optics, but you know, I at the end of the day, I mean, it's just kind of is what it is. They they do need to just get down though, because you're in serious jeopardy um, if this thing goes on, you know, two or three more weeks of at least spring training really being delayed. I mean, at this point, you know, pitchers and catchers are usually reporting, I know, within the next week or so, usually it's around the 15th, Um, you know, but I think you could, that could probably be pushed back uh, until like the 22nd. So two weeks from today um, and be, everyone would be just fine. Maybe even March 1st and you could, you could still fit in a, a good size spring training and start the season on time. But the longer it drags on, you know, the, the worse it's looking for a, a full 162 game schedule at least. But anyways, let's go ahead and move on to the next, uh, next topic. We got a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of news on the Trevor Bauer situation today. Um, if you don't remember back in, I believe it was June, he was, um, accused of sexual assault and, um, rape charges as well. That has been, uh, he had a, Yeah. Dang. What am I looking for? They had a trial for a permanent restraining order that back in, I believe it was September or August or September uh, that was denied. Uh, And then he had an investigation going through the Pasadena Police Department and the L.A. County District Attorney for the past six months. Um, And then that today came to a conclusion with them saying that they were not going to bring any charges against him. Uh, he is still being investigated through Major League Baseball and, you know, his uh, suspension from them is still probable because through the Players Association's agreement, even if there's no charges brought against you, you can still have a suspension if found that MLB finds, you know, that something went on there.
1: Yeah, um, you know, so so that's I think that's obviously good news for Trevor Bauer that, the you know, that the a criminal a potential criminal charges are over. And, and I don't think there was too much grounds for criminal charges to start with. Um, I'm not going to get into the graphic details of the situation, but um, it, you know, I, I don't, you know, and I, like I said earlier about the lockout, I'm not a lawyer, so I, I don't, I don't know, but um, it's definitely one of those things that I mean, Trevor Bauer, how much has he alienated everybody to allow him to come back? It's kind of the thing. Like the criminal stuff is cleared. It's kind of a gray area situation, you know, I'm just that's all I'm going to leave it at on, on, on the actual situation, but um, definitely a little bit gray area. I think that, you know, how his teammates have obviously been against them and he's alienated a lot of people. So how is he going to, how is he going to come? Is he going to be able to come back? Is MLB going to allow him to come back at a, you know, how quickly and, and what's going to end up being the. The uh the outcome from this, but I think um you know obviously it's good news for Trevor Bauer and, and it sounds like something where I, I don't know if he's you know I don't know if MLB is going to get away with you know putting him in you know a, a like some kind of like permanent semi permanent you know like year long suspension type thing so um that's not that doesn't really sound like you know compared to other stuff like like domestic abuse and stuff that has happened and you know the suspensions that have been levied for that. Um, you know, the longest one I think I've seen was, was a season and, you know, that was a really bad situation for the season long. most of them are, you know, 50, 60 games. So, um, you know, I think, uh, if you look at, at, at him, you know, I would assume that it would probably be a pretty long suspension for him, but, um, obviously he's already served as, as we saw with the Marcelo Zuna situation, you know, serving that time on administrative leave, um, you know, you, you lose that money now but you're allowed to play you know immediately if the if your suspension time has already been served so uh we'll see what happens with that um you know I don't know if we'll ever see him play again I, don't, I doubt we ever see him play again with the Dodgers but uh there's probably a lot of money at stake for Trevor Bauer a lot of money on the hook there because you know if he's allowed to play again then he's going to get paid his contract outside of the the suspension time whatever that ends up being so uh, that's really a really big win for Trevor Bauer because if he had gotten, you know, if there had been criminal charges levied, I think that they might have had grounds to, you know, kind of nullify that contract. But uh, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, obviously, um, it'd be interesting to see if he was able to come back and, you know, what he would look like and stuff, and you know, how that react, how people would react to it. But, um, but as of right now, I don't really think it changes too much in the immediate future.
0: Yeah, in the immediate future, it really doesn't. It's going to be interesting to see um you know how mlb does go along with it because like you had said sam dyson uh, was the one that was basically suspended for a whole year but he actually had charges against him and um and stuff and you do have with the azuna situation being very recent as well even though that was more like of the cops kind of the different the cops optics there that one Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see because obviously we don't know all of the details um, of everything that happened in this, you know, behind the scenes and all that. But um, it is going to be interesting to see if, if MLB does allow him to do the, hey, you were suspended from basically the middle of June through and that was how many ever games. And then now you're basically going to be suspended, maybe, you know, the equivalent of a season. Like how long would they suspend him into this year and then not pay? I don't know. It's going to be weird, but. You know, at least the, the, the that part is handled and we'll see, you know, I think MLB kind of has a a little bit bigger issue on their hands right now than the Trevor Bauer investigation. But yeah. um, at least the, uh, you know, the actual through the police department and, and that is, is handled. But we'll talk more about that when the actual MLB investigation gets over. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to the NL Central uh, Division breakdown. Uh, and we'll go ahead and start with the Milwaukee Brewers that won this division at 95 and 67. Uh, you look at the list of the people they've lost so far, Avasail Garcia, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. in that trade to the Red Sox. Um, some bullpen pieces with Hunter Strickland, Brad Boxberger, uh, Manny Pena, Daniel Vogelbach, and Eduardo Escobar. Uh, and then if you look at who they've added, really not many, too many um, impact players, but they've added Trevor Gott on a one-year deal, Hunter Renfro through that Jackie Bradley Jr. trade. Mike Brasso, uh, Pedro Severino, and then they did sign Rex Brothers to a minor league contract.
1: Yeah, so um, honestly, for the Brewers, I, I don't really think they've lost that that much. Um, obviously, you know they lost a few bullpen pieces, but those none of those were kind of their primary bullpen pieces. I mean, like you got like got, you know Brad Boxberger was pretty good last year, but you know like Axford Strickland, Daniel Norris, those types of guys, Colin Ray—they weren't really that big of uh, you know names and stuff. Um, you look at uh you know the, the guys they lost in their lineup the really the one that hurts is Obisiel Garcia. Um, I think that you know Renfro and 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 Brasso kind of make up for the loss of Jackie Bradley Jr. and Eduardo Escobar. Um, you do look at you know Pedro Severino and Manny Pena is kind of a wash. They're different types of players. I think Pedro Severino probably hits a little bit better. Manny Pena you know is a is better defender. Um, you know they did add Trevor Gott. Um, you know, to replace some of those bullpen arms, but I think this is a situation where you know the Brewers offensively didn't really have that many good names last year anyways. So um, you know the, the, but they, they return a lot of their their offense outside of Garcia, who was their best hitter. I mean they, they returned Arvaez, they returned Colton Wong, they returned Willie Adames who was fantastic last year. Um, you know, this is a team that looks to me like he probably needs to add somebody, uh, on, on offense. You know, they, they just need a, they need a big bopper. They need a big bat. I mean, yelich is he going to return to form ever? Like, cause this is two years in a row that he, you know, obviously, kind of give a pass on the COVID year, but this year he wasn't very good. He's kind of a league average type hitter. You know, in the field, he's not what he used to be. Um, you know, he's probably better than he was last year, this year, but he, you know, he's not quite the same guy. Um, you know, you look at the, um, you know, you probably could add maybe like a center fielder, or, uh, you know, somebody just a general like, I mean, a corner infielder, first base, third base. You know, they need somebody, um, they need a bopper in that lineup. Um, and, and then you know, but but their rotation is so good. I mean, <laughs> their rotation is so good. You know, um, uh, uh, the top of that rotation, and and with with Brandon Woodruff, Cor- Corbin Burns. I mean, Freddie Peralta took that step up last year. Uh, you know, they still got Adrian Hauser. They they got a bunch of guys. And then their their bullpen with, you know, Hader and Williams shutting things down late. And, uh, you know, all they really need in that bullpen is maybe a little bit more depth. Uh, maybe you can make a couple of those under the radar type signings like a Trevor got that they did sign. Uh, and then maybe, a, you know, like a five starter and their pitching will be, you know, close to the best in the majors again at that point. Because uh, if you look at um you know, you look at this team, I think they're I think they're definitely probably the division favorite. Um, but I don't really think they're a true World Series contender unless they add a little bit more offense. So it'll be an interesting team to watch though. Ninety five wins last year was impressive.
0: Yeah, it's a really good team. It really is. Um they would greatly benefit from Yellich getting back to, to MV Yelich form. Um and, and basically more of it is just if he's able to get his power back, like his eye is still really good like he still had a 362 on base last year um, and, and that would get better if he was able just to hit the ball um, you know more consistently only having nine home runs and almost 500 plate appearances is not very Christian Yelich like so they definitely need him to re- to, to rebound um, and then you mentioned it some sort of another big bat if that's an outfield DH um, first base third base type guy they just need somebody else in there um, to help you know just keep the lineup moving uh, that, that starting pitching is it's probably the best one through five in the majors at the moment. Um, You know, Hauser was really good last year. Lauer is he's really solid. I mean, a three one nine ERA last year. Uh, And then they have a guy like Aaron Ashby still down. Uh, He reached the majors this year, but he's, you know, a, a good prospect that they have as well. Um, A depth bullpen arm, another guy like if you can get another Trevor God or, or find one of those, you know, one of those relievers that had a down year last year that you can turn around and the Brewers are one of those teams. that's really good at finding those. I think it was uh what JP fire Fri- or something last year that they fire, Eisen, yeah. fire Eisen, yeah. That they ended up trading for Willie Adamas. Um, You know, he was doing really good. So I expect this team to, to be that division favorite. And if they are able to, you know, to add a, another big bat, once you get into the playoffs, that top three to top four in the rotation, it's, it's going to be really hard to beat if you can score at all. Um, Cause not many times where Woodruff Burns or Peralta is going to give up more than, you know, a couple runs each time they go out. So, um, but let's go ahead and look at the next team with the St. Louis Cardinals finishing second in this division uh, going 90 and 72 five games back of the Brewers. Uh, but they did make it as a wild card team uh, last year if you look at who they've lost so far, Carlos Martinez, Matt Carpenter, uh, Quang Young Kim, Luis Garcia, J. A. Happ, Wade LeBlanc, John Lester, who ended up retiring, Andrew Miller, uh, and then just a little side that I put here that they did lose Mike Schilt because I think that's going to be a pretty significant um, deal for them.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know their additions. Uh, they brought in Stephen Matt um, you know from the from the with the Blue Jays last year. Um, and uh, you know Stephen Mats, who's Steve Cohen, apparently is his least favorite person. But um, <laughs> I think um, you look at uh you, you look at this team, and I mean, I think one of the key things for this team is for their pitching to get and stay healthy. You know, last year I th- thought, thought you know year before last, um, you know Dakota Hudson kind of took off a little bit and looked really good. Then he got hurt, and didn't, play, didn't pitch this year. Uh, you know, you need you know Flaherty to have a healthy season. Um, you look at uh um, you know some of their some of their relievers like Jordan Hicks can he have a healthy season, um you know if their pitching is able to get and stay healthy I could see this team being good I like their lineup you know Nolan Arenado Paul Goldschmidt in the middle of that uh, I think Dylan Carlson continues to improve and, and take a step forward this year uh, he's been a pretty impressive looking player in his first year and a half in the big leagues, um you know and then some of their other guys. I mean Harrison Bader's a really solid player in the outfield um you know tyler o'neill obviously is it was really good even though i don't look for him to have the same season he had this year i think he's still a pretty good player um you know they could maybe even use a bounce back for paul de young and one thing this team might have this year is a little bit of the uh you know the team of destiny type thing to them i think they're going to be really really fighting to try to send yadier molina and adam Wainwright out on a high note because i think it's probably both of their last year so um you know it'll be interesting to see how they perform and. uh you know, 1972 last year, they, they had a kind of special finish to the season with their last, like, you know, that long win streak late in the season to take over in the wild card race. And, you know, they ended up losing in the postseason on, on you know, a complete, uh, you know, heartbreak in the, in the wild card game that they really felt like they had a good shot to win. So, um, you know, we'll look at. We'll look at the at the Cardinals. I, I look at them as like a borderline contender. I don't think they're quite as good as the Brewers right right now, but you know maybe if they add a couple more pieces in the in the post lockout um, free agency, I think they could probably get to the level of the Brewers. So they got a few more pieces they need, but uh, I think um, maybe another arm of some kind. But I think they'll uh, I think they'll be a pretty good team this year.
0: Yeah, I expect them to be a really good team as well. Um, they do need to figure out what they're gonna do at shortstop. Are you gonna is De young gonna have a bounce back um, or are you gonna let Sosa uh, just kind of take over that role, which he kind of did uh, towards the end of last year? Um, you know, and then are you are you gonna see Nolan Gorman this year and are you gonna see Matthew Libertor this year? Libertor could be a big piece for them um, in you know to fill out the back end of that rotation if Miles Michaelis is struggling like he kind of did um, last year. Uh, and then help take a little bit of that load off Dakota Hudson, because uh, you, like you did say, he only pitched, I think it was eight and two-thirds Indians last year. So it would be nice to get a guy like a Liberatore in there, maybe get, let him get his feet wet a little bit. Um, and then Gorman, I mean, see what he can do. I mean, he's been playing some more second base. I don't know if they would think about moving Edmund over to short full-time and letting Gorman take over the second base job. Uh, it would kind of it all just depends on what you might see in spring training, but it's a it's a really solid team. with Not much turnover. You're gonna get you know what you're gonna get from a guy like Paul Goldschmidt. Um, you know I expect Arenado to bounce back with his you know average and on base a little bit. He still hit for power last year, but uh, you know the everything else was kind of not there. So it, it's a really good team. They still have those young guys developing. Like O'Neill took that step. Carlson, Bader. Uh, it's just, can they reach that next level and compete with the Brewers? But uh, I, I at the moment, if if they can make maybe one more, you know, good size addition, maybe if that's at some sort of a shortstop um, area, then I think they compete with the Brewers. But at the moment, I don't think they're really a team that can, to, can uh, you know, compete for the division against the Brewers. But let's look, go ahead and look at the Cincinnati Reds that finished third in the, in the division at 83 and 79, 12 games back. Um, and they're going to be one of the more interesting people to look at post-lockout um, as they've already lost Wade Miley, Tucker Barnhart, Nick Castellanos, Michael Givens, uh, Michael Lorenzen, and Azdrubal Cabrera. Uh, and then if you look who they've added, basically all their ads have been minor league guys. Nick Cantana, they got in the trade for for Tucker Barnhart. Uh, Andrew Knapp and Jake Bowers are both minor league signings, but they had a decent amount of major league time. Uh, but the Reds are looking at that team that are basically going to go into that fire cell mode uh, you know, trying to trade anybody with a salary, can you get anything for Mustakis? Are you going to trade Sonny Gray? Is Luis Castillo going to be traded? Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch this team, especially after the uh, the lockout.
1: Yeah, I thought uh, the Reds coming into the season would be a a possible contender, uh, or coming into the off season, But with some of the moves they they went ahead and made, I think it's kind of like um, I think it's probably unlikely. Um, they, they really haven't added that much. I will say they have gone through and added a lot of minor league deals that are players who they could potentially end up getting some good big league use out of. Some some guys like, like uh, Andrew Knapp, Jake Bowers uh, are are guys who have been in the big leagues at times. And, and you know, um, I, I, I like I like the ad of Tra- uh, Trey Winginter, who had been with the Padres. He's the guy who had been injured a good bit, but he throws extremely hard, and that could be an interesting one. But um, I think um, and, and, you know, obviously I'm mentioning him because I had a class with him at Auburn. But um, I think um, you look at uh, their their losses are are big time. I mean, Castellanos was was their team last year at the plate, Uh, you know, other than Joey Votto, who had his, you know, his his resurgent year. Um, You look at some of their other losses. I mean, they're losing some veteran players like like Estrebo Cabrera. He's he's always been an underrated veteran. Um, you know, uh, Tucker Barnhart, it's, it sucks to lose him at the, at behind the plate because he's, he's a guy who can really keep a pitching staff together. But I mean, you know, if you look at their team as of right now, the way they're structured, uh, you know, they, they could still contend, they need a couple bats, but I like their pitching. Luis Castillo is going to have a bounce back year. I I think he had a rough start last year, but he kind of figured it out at mid season. Uh, Sonny Gray still really solid and, and, and Tyler Mall took a step forward. So uh, there's a few pieces on the Reds took a step forward and, and and their lineup they still got Joey Votto who was great last year, and they've still got the Rookie of the Year Jonathan India, uh, Tyler Stevenson had a big year. Uh, you look around their lineup maybe maybe you know Inu, Inu, <laughs> Eugenio Suarez bounces back a little bit. Um, but I mean, you, you take a look at—I mean, their, their relief pitching is, is really what kills them right now, and that's really not that that tough to fix. I mean, just go sign a few bullpen arms. But we'll see what the Reds end up doing. You know, there's all that speculation that they might trade everybody. So, um, you know, if they start doing that, then you know, get your get get what you can. I mean, it, it would—I think it kind of stinks to trade away this team that they got right now because I think there's they're not that far away. But um, if they can't afford it, then you know, go go ahead and get what you can. Don't, don't get stuck in purgatory of 500 not making the playoffs and you know I hate the you know I hate the tanking but I mean at the same time it's the, it's the correct strategy I mean being 81 and 81 is not going to get you anywhere so you know get some uh you know either either go get some get some pitching and and contend or in a wide open division or uh or go ahead and just trade everybody because I, I which I don't really understand you probably got a better roster now than you would after two or three years of rebuild. So, um but anyways, that's, that's not a, that's a, that's a, it's a, this was a tough one for the Reds. So,
0: yeah. And like you said, it really came down to, um, you know, basically their whole offense was Castellanos last year, especially after Jesse Winker got hurt. Um, You know, Winker started off the season really well uh, and then got hurt and missed a good chunk of time. And then Nick Castellanos just kind of took over from there. Uh, and and losing him to free agency and there's really no hope to get him back he's already basically said he wants to go to some sort of a winning situation Um, and then the Reds have basically by all their actions have started saying that they're you know acting like they're one of those teams that can't afford the payroll that they were even at that they were kind of maxing themselves out then and and now they need to to hit the button and kind of recover for you know two or three years that way so um, you know you they obviously aren't going to be able to resign Castellanos I'm it's a great hitters park, but what hitters are you gonna really get to to come there? Um, you know, if if your team's not able to sustain the success that they need. Uh, and then trading guy if if you are gonna trade a guy like Sonny Gray, which there was a lot of rumors, they even thought right before the lockout, they thought it was gonna go up to the last minute that he could get traded. Um, so you do have young talent still, you still do have Luis Castillo, you still do have Tyler Malley. You still have Jonathan India. You still do have Tyler Stevenson back there. You still have Nick Senzel if you can ever get him to, you know, be a productive player. Um, but it's the guys like Vado, who's there, you know, Eugenio Suarez who's going to be, uh, you know, he's going to need to be re-signed pretty soon. He doesn't hit for a lot of average and on base, but he hits for power. Mike Mustakas is another big bat that you brought in that's probably just holding you down more, like, if you can get rid of some of those guys and bring in more a little bit more productive but cheaper guys, and then you know you have a decent starting rotation with those three if you keep Sonny Gray, make a couple little moves in the bullpen because I do think that they have some solid pieces down there. Uh, they just need to kind of work everything a little bit better. Uh, and then you do have a guy like Hunter Green who's going to be one of the more exciting prospects to come up, and he might even reach the majors this year, if not next year, um, along with Nick Lodolo as well. But... You know, it, it does seem like the Reds, they they were a team that everyone was high on. I really thought that they were going to be a lot better than they were. Um, and they, I think they, they just fell short of expectations. And now they're like, well, we just can't really sustain it since we've really lost Castellanos and we we can't afford to bring him back. So we just need to go the opposite way. It, it sucks. But I mean, at, at some point, you know, you can't be the Yankees. You can't be the Dodgers and, um, you know, just had that sustained success with signing people all the time. And I mean, even the Yankees didn't do that for a good amount of time, but it it sucks uh, seeing a team that that has the potential like this have to have to head that way. But you know, it's also kind of ties right into the, to the next team in this division. That's the Chicago Cubs at 71 and 91. They were 24 games back. They kind of did the exact same thing or the thing the Reds should have done and probably, trade everybody at the deadline. That's what the Cubs did with trading Rizzo, Baez, um, you know, Bryant. Uh, and then if you look who they've lost with the offseason so far, that's Matt Duffy, Zach Davies, Austin Romine, Robinson Torino's, Jose Lobaton. Um, and then who they've added, they added Wade Miley from the Reds. That's another one. I didn't even mention that. The, or yeah, we did mention that. Um, they added him from the Reds though. Harold Ramirez. Uh, they re-signed Michael Hermosillo, uh, brought in Clint Frazier, Jan Gomes, and then the big signing is they brought in Marcus Stroman.
1: Yeah, so this is kind of, they're kind of the anti-reds, right? Because right. you look at you look at the at the Cubs, the team that I don't think they've got any chance to compete this year with the roster they had before the offseason started. I mean, their roster was just completely. I mean, like their best hitter was going to be what? I, I guess uh, Wilson Contreras, or I mean, yeah, got Wilson Contreras or Schwindel. But I mean, Schwindel. You look at his stats last year; he had a fantastic rookie season. But, you know, a lot of his numbers were inflated by Babbitt, too. So uh, and his, his plate discipline, him and, and Patrick Wisdom, both their plate discipline was not, you know, super great. I mean, they struck out a lot, didn't walk much. And that's something you kind of that's kind of a red flag a little bit. I mean, it works for some guys and it might work for them. But, um, you know, we'll look at I look at them as a team that you know, like, like they were barren with talent after all the trades they made last year. And it seems like they made enough moves to get back to like a 500 type team right now. I mean, Marcus Stroman is going to be a nice move, but I, I kind of question that move, not because I question Marcus Stroman. I think he's a good pitcher, but a three-year deal for a team that just traded away all their pieces just seems like it's not really, doesn't really make that much sense to me. Like, um, you know, I, I I think it's like it's one of those deals where, you know, you might be just be bringing in a pitcher to pitch for three bad teams. So it feels a little bit like you could have spent that money on something where either you get a, a get, get a guy that's on like an eight or 10 year deal, like a like a Carlos Correa type guy. Or, you know, you go to um, or, or you maybe make a make a couple of trades where you pick up a bad contract and a top prospect or something with, the, with that money. So I know the Cubs have a lot of money to spend. But, uh, you know, it feels like they've done enough to get back to be a, kind of a 500 level team and, and maybe it's not over. Maybe, maybe they go back in the second part. Uh, you mentioned earlier about a rumor that, uh, you know, they might look at bringing Anthony Rizzo back. Uh, I, I'm sure that's possible. I'm sure Anthony Rizzo would probably accept that if, you know, if the Cubs decided they wanted to do it. Um, you know, there's, there were some rumors about Correa and, and, you know, if you add those two guys and you keep working on that pitching staff, I mean, right now that pitching staff looks like, you know, Marcus Stroman and, and not a whole lot else that I'm super excited about. Uh, I mean, Kyle Hendricks, I guess is still pretty good, but he, he can get roughed up a little bit sometimes these days and, um, you know outside of those two like you don't really have all that much so I think um you know pitching wise I I, I think that this team could could have and they they have some bounce back in it's like Ian Happ's probably not as bad as he was last year and uh you know we'll, we'll see what happens I am I'm, I'm not super bullish on the Cubs but uh, maybe if they went out and made a bunch of big moves they're obviously trying to win this year because they're making all these moves so maybe if they went out off in, in the post lockout you know period and, and make a bunch of a couple of really big moves, maybe they could get into contention. Because like I said earlier, this division is kind of wide open. So, you know, they don't really need like it's not not it is not impossible for them to get into contention this year, but it's going to be they're going to need a lot.
0: So, yeah, if they were able to win the lockout because the Strowman point, it's it's a good point. The only reason it makes more sense is if they're willing to spend and make big moves this year. Um, or even next year, but it, it seems like they're well-positioned to do that this year. Like you said, the rumors about Correa, the rumors about um, Anthony Rizzo, there even the rumors about them being interested in Matt Olson. So maybe it's a scenario where you're able to sign a guy like Correa, and then you go to the A's and you go, hey, maybe what could we do for Matt Olson and – Chris Bassett or Matt Olsen, Frankie Montas or Matt Olsen and Sean Mania, because I feel like you need another starting pitcher in that rotation with Hendricks, with Stroman, um, you know, and then you have Miley, but I think Miley is more fit for a kind of a four role. And then you could see what you're going to get with Albert uh Adbert Elzelay and Alec Mills. Uh, so you need, so you need some other rotation in there and then you need it. It feels like you need two more bats in that lineup to really make you a contender, not only in the division, but you know, you could probably get away with making one of the pitching moves and one of the hitting moves and probably being in the fight for a wild card, but nobody wants to try and just fight for a wild card. You want to try and win your division. So, you know, maybe that's a scenario where it seems like the Cubs want to spend big money. It's just, will they do it? And will they do it through just strictly free agency or will they try and make, hey, maybe here's one big free agency move and then here's one big trade move um, that can fill a couple holes with the one deal? Um, instead of, you know, trying to go out there and sign a shortstop, a first base or an outfielder and a pitcher on top of that. So and then, you know, they kind of need to help for some health health. Um, you're going to have Nick Madrigal and Nico Horner, who, you know, Horner hasn't been able to stay healthy for a full season and Madrigal. He's come he had a, a good rookie you know start to his rookie year and then he missed basically all of last year. Um, so he needs to, you know, and that's right now projected to be your starting middle infield. And then you kind of need to figure out what you're going to do with Contreras. Um, are you going to trade him? Because you have, do have Miguel Amaya down in the minors, um, who seems like he's going to be ready with pretty soon. Um, and there's been a lot of chatter around Contreras anyways, and I'm not quite sure that you're going to be able to re-sign him. So it might be more beneficial that if, if you can't re-sign him. Um, you know that you trade in beforehand, so you're not at the deadline where people don't get traded for all that much, um, for only a half year rental of a catcher, really. So it, the Cubs are going to be fascinating to watch as well because they can make a bunch of big moves, uh, but they can also sit back on their hands and kind of just wait everything out.
1: Yeah, like, like I said, what well, you know, final final kind of thought on the Cubs is that they, you know, if you look up and down their lineup, there's not really anybody that scares you. Like, I know Schwindel and Wisdom were pretty good last year. Contreras is a solid player. They got some solid players, but nobody really scares you. You look at their pitching rotation, there's nobody that really scares you. I mean, Marcus Stroman is really solid. Kyle Hendricks can be, when he's owned, he can still be really, really good. But, you know, there's nobody that you feel like you cannot, you know, get a couple runs off of. And, you know, their bullpen needs work. So, I, I mean, I, you know. I think that they've made some decent moves and have built up their farm system really well, but they they there's there's a lot more that needs to be done there but uh speaking of a lot more that needs to be done <laughs> um, let's talk about uh the, the pirates um uh, which you know we're not gonna short short sell any team here we, we talk about them all and um you know you might not hear anybody else out there talk about the pirates you know in the off season this year but uh, they uh they went 61 and 101 last year which is honestly a better record than i expected um honestly they did have they had one good player that broke out that kind of Help that, but uh, their losses were uh Shelby Miller, who I I, I have no I
0: who's that remembered.
1: I remember, yeah, I remember he played on the Pirates. Like once I saw it for like I think he had like one pitch when he pitched one time for them or something. Uh, Trevor Cahill, who I, I mean I didn't even know he was still in the big leagues. Um, Wilmer Defoe, who was a bench player for the Nationals, and I saw that he was with the Pirates last year and was like okay. Uh, Stephen Brault, who honestly might have been one of their better pitchers that they non-tendered, I think, or, or declined an option, or you know, put him on waivers or something, and he went just a straight up free agent. And Colin Moran, who is kind of a veteran, he'll, he'll probably pick up a bench slot somewhere. And then Chad Cool, who they non-tendered, and I mean, I don't really feel too bad about that. But uh, they've actually, I think they've actually improved their team through additions, though. Uh, Roberto Perez. Uh, it's going to really be a nice addition to to their to their team. To Although, you know, Kevin Stallings, another loss, and he, you know, I don't know why I didn't mention him already, but he, um you know, he's probably him and Roberto Perez are kind of similar, except Kevin Stallings probably hits better. But uh, Jose Quintana, it, that's a fantastic signing for a team like the Pirates. to get a buy low guy who, you know, maybe he figures it out again. Um, and, and if he does, then you got somebody you can maybe get something for at the deadline because he's still got some talent. Um, and, and Zach Thompson, they picked up from the Marlins, who's a young guy with, with talent. And I went ahead and mentioned Greg Allen because he's been a starter in the big leagues before they picked him up as a minor league deal, I think. Uh, but he or off waivers or something, and he's uh, he's going to be on their team. But uh, my outlook for the Tyrants is just, I mean, they just keep just keep waiting for their farm system to get there. I mean, you know, they've got a few pieces at the big league level that they could maybe um, look at you know, maybe make some improvements like Mitch Keller is a guy who definitely, you know, for their future, they really need him to figure it out. Uh, and, and then you've got, uh, you know, uh, O'Neill Cruz at shortstop and uh, Cabrian Hayes, you know, he could, hopefully he comes back well from injury and O'Neill Cruz will kind of be playing his first real big league season this year. And, uh, you know, we'll see how they do. But uh, other than that, I mean, maybe maybe also kind of look at what are you are you, you know, there's been some talk about maybe a trade of Brian Reynolds, which I think would make a lot of sense because this team's probably not going to be in contention under in the amount of time that Brian Reynolds is under control. So, you know, maybe trade him and get, get that farm system really kickstarted a little bit, but um, it'll be interesting to see what the pirates do, but I I, I can't imagine them winning, improving their record at all this year.
0: Yeah. The pirates are a rough team. You know, they, they were, one of the swan songs right there when they had that, you know, the Andrew McCutcheon, Starling Marte era. Um, and then now that they've had to go into this kind of rebuild mode, it's been hard to watch, um, you know, and then trading a guy like Jacob Stallings to the Marlins, um, you know, that kind of helps getting a guy like Zach Thompson as a little bit uh, as a younger pitcher for you might help some, but really the the thing they just need to do is just keep developing, you know, Brian Hayes, Um, try and get some of your young pitchers, you know, if you can get what you can get out of Thompson. Um, If you can kickstart Bryce Wilson, I know he struggled last year after he got came over. Um, You know, if you're able to get anything good out of Quintana and flip him at the deadline, people are always looking for left-handed pitchers. Even if they're struggling, somebody will flip some sort of a prospect for him. Um, You know, and then you mentioned the young pitcher they have of, mitch Keller and even quinn priester but i'm not sure he's going to get up there this year um and then if it's the there's been talk of the brian reynolds trade for a couple years you know you mentioned it like is that finally going to come to fruition or fruition i mean he is 27 you do have him under control for another like i think four years so does it make sense to do it now you could probably get your best package now especially coming off the year he just had with the 302 average 24 homers 390 on base like it might be time to strike while the iron's hot right now and get as much as you can get for that control um and re you know kick up that farm system uh and right now i mean i don't know you got to give your fans something to look forward to and, and brian reynolds is kind of reynolds and uh brian hayes are kind of those two guys. Um you know, and then what are you going to get from O'Neill Cruz? Is he gonna, you know, going into his first full season? Is he going to make the majors this year? What's you know, he's already had some off-field issues by himself, so is, is that going to rear its head again? If not, then you know, can he be as productive or the star that everyone thinks he can be? Because um, he shows a lot of intangibles, but how raw is he? Is he is he ready for that step? Uh, and then just kind of keep finding that young talent, like you said, it's not going to be a team that you're is in the next 2 or 3 years is going to be fighting for a wild card spot. So they just need to be able to find and develop something. So maybe at that point, you know, 3 or 4 years down the line, you can look at, hey, maybe they can start looking for, you know, contention of a wild card at least.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. I think um you make a good point about what to like, have your fans excited about something. Um, you know, I think that that's still something that's probably important to them, especially being a small market team. They need some of that revenue come in, but I I don't know. I mean that, you know, there's not gonna be anybody excited about the pirates this year. And, uh, man, I just, I think, you know, I still look back and think, you know, they made some mistakes. I mean, they could still, they could have Austin Meadows, Tyler Glass now, and Shane Baz. I mean, you know, that was one trade for a guy who really, he was, you know, decent when they traded for him, but, Here's red flags there. So, I mean, uh, you know, they, they blew it with on that trade. And, and that's, that's like, that's not just, I mean, that's three, like, you know, two guys who are, you know, a, a star pitcher, a guy who's kind of a, a really solid regular as a hitter, and then a guy who's potentially going to be a star pitcher that, that had a really good, you know, looking rookie. Know, or I guess they have what full rookie year, but it's you know kind of a debut this year for the Rays. So, I mean, that was just you know you kind of look back on it, man. Just just try to try to fleece another team like you got fleeced in that deal. That's what the Pirates need to do this year with Brian Reynolds. It's the guy that they can do that with, fleece a team like they got fleeced for and, and make up for it.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that trade did set them back um, quite a bit. I mean, if they had those guys, you're looking at a team that's a lot more productive and probably probably finishes with a better record than the Cubs did this year. And maybe even right there with the Reds fighting for a wild card spot, because you got to think not only did that, you know, those three players would have been there, but then they would have been able to make other moves on top of that. Once they knew they had, you know, sort of a contending team. Um, And it just, it it sucks when teams, small market teams, especially like that make big lopsided trades like that, thinking they got the the one star that's going to push them over the edge. And then it really sets you back for, you know, what, four or five years at that point uh, when it's all said and done. So who knows? But, you know, hopefully the Pirates here in the next couple of years start showing some signs of life because I think it's Pittsburgh's a a town that always usually supports its teams, especially when they're good. Um, We've seen that with the with the Penguins and the Steelers. So they kind of need the Pirates to be good.
1: Yeah, I was gonna mentioned it was so fun when the Pirates were doing good for a few years like when they yeah. had the you know Andrew McCutcheon and, and Pedro Alvarez and Russell Martin were all playing so good and they were in the playoffs and I mean I you know remember the atmosphere of those games oh like yeah the, the, like the Reds game when they were you know mocking Cueto and stuff
0: like absolutely. that
1: absolutely that, that was such a great atmosphere and, and it's kind of it really stinks that they can't put a competitive team out there all the time because that's a fun that's a really cool ballpark and it's a a great town that loves their sports and when the pirates are good they love their pirates i mean i know that i know that's the pittsburgh steelers town but when they when the pirates are good they love their pirates and it kind of it kind of stinks to see them struggle like they like they are right now
0: it really does um and you make I was, that's kind of what I was hinting on with the McCutcheon and Marte type era was that atmosphere, um, in that ballpark, you know, it goes when, when the pirates are good, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, so I, I really do wish they can get back there or hope that they can get back there relatively soon. Cause that's something that, uh, baseball, you know, baseball is better when these smaller market teams like that are, are able to have fun there and, and be competitive at least even I'm saying that as a Dodger fan, but that's a little weird anyways. But, you know, I don't, you know, it was a, a jam-packed episode today. We, we have, hopefully we get some news from Manfred and then the, the uh, CBA negotiations when they talk on Thursday. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to have a laughing stock episode of clowning Rob Manfred next week because um, he's going to say a lot of idiotic things. Um, and then if it's not too much, we'll jump into the NL West division breakdown next week. But uh, you got anything else you want to wrap up on?
1: Uh not necessarily I think um you know you kind of look at the the way that everything's going right now and you know I, I'm I'm hopeful that we get baseball I think we're going to miss part of spring training but I'm still hopeful we get baseball in you know the beginning of April um you know uh, maybe they can get this these these negotiations you know, really roll in here soon. I, you know, this is a good week to regroup. I think they're, uh, you know, they've they've talked some. They kind of got to a standstill. They had made a little bit of progress. I mean, there were some ideas, like like that, like like I mentioned that arbitration bonus pool. I mean, that pre-R bonus pool. Like that's an idea that both sides kind of agreed on that that's kind of something they could do. But the the dollar figures were way off. And I mean, honestly, anytime you have a negotiation, like both sides are going to have to come to some kind of agreement. Like I think both sides need to understand that, like MLB you know if you offer 10 million and they're asking for 100 million you're not going to get away with offering 15 million and no. the players like if you are for 100 if you ask for 110 million I, I hate you know as much as i think that you know there's been times you've got shafted in the past you're probably not going to get 100 million like if you, it's, it's kind of one of those things like you need to both sides need to kind of get, understand that they need to come to an agreement and, and I, I i really i really hope My my one hope is that both of them see how important it is to get this done in a timely fashion because, like I said, right now, you know, they're they're not – this isn't getting done in a timely fashion. And if it's – and if you start missing games, then, you know, the casual fans, the ones that were – that watched that Field of Dreams game last year, the ones that boasted those those TV ratings in the postseason higher than they've been in years – they're going to be the ones that are really going to just kind of quit watching. Like us hardcore fans are going to keep watching regardless. There's going to be a lot of people that quit watching because of this and, and thinking it's just a bunch of people whining at each other. So I, I really hope that they understand this, the sincerity of this situation. Cause it's so easy for them to get caught up in we want this, we want this, we want this and get caught up in the other side's not doing their part. And it's, you know, you kind of get caught in that bubble a little bit and, and don't realize that if, if neither side does their part, then you're not good that it's just going to hurt everybody it doesn't it's almost like you know if you have you know you got it somebody's going to have to cut it loose at some point and it's it's almost like playing chicken i mean it's you know somebody's going to have to cut cut loose and say hey you know what you know this pre armed pool we, we we think that we deserve a lot but You know, we can we can negotiate this number down a little bit, or or MLB can say, okay, well, you know what, ten million dollars for the top whatever, however many players it's talking about doing in that. I I forgot the number, but like that's not even going to barely boost them at all. Like we need to we need to allow more than that. So, you know, I I think there's you know obviously pros and cons to everything, and you know one side's going to come out a winner. I think both 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 sides need to understand that you're not going to get a perfect agreement. Somebody's going to come out a winner. Somebody's going to come out a loser at some some level, but. Man, it's just, it just—it needs to happen. Like, it needs to get done. It, it's gonna be really frustrating if they can't come to an agreement in a timely fashion, and we end up with, you know, nothing. So
0: the the main um, problem that I have is that I don't understand why both sides aren't more invested in trying to make it happen and willing at least from the owner's side willing to lose games and threaten to lose games when we literally just came off a 2020 season when it was shortened through the pandemic and the owners are literally whining and crying about how much money they've lost and how that was such a bad thing for baseball and then now you're saying hey we just got back to a full season we probably just had one of the best seasons of all time we had the excitements here it's back baseball's yeah. kind of found its niche again and then hey Right after that season, we're going to come back and we're going to tell the players, well, basically, like we're willing to lose the games again. We're willing to to go back into another shortened season and we're we're willing to lose that money there to make our point to you, even though if we just made this agreement, the money we're probably losing here in this negotiation is probably overall less than what we lose if we lose games or threaten the season in general.
1: Right. Right. I agree. And I think that's that's a bad look. I mean, I I think it's a bad look to to think, you know, I mean, you're both somebody somebody's going to have to there's going to have to be some compromise here. All right. There's going to have to be. I mean, and neither side's going to get everything they want. You know, I I don't know what the answer is going to be and I don't know all the details of it. But but every you know, we're going to have to have. And, and and honestly, the thing that that's really starting to bother me is the fact that it seems like both sides are talking to the media, especially the MLB side, more than they're talking to the to the other side of the of the bargaining. I mean, it seems like the players are talking to the media. A lot of times they're asked about it, which is which I mean I, I don't mind them answering if they're asked about it, but you know it seems like you know they're tweeting out stuff more than they're negotiating. And the, and MLB is doing these little chicken stunts like taking down everybody's. Faces off their website and you know taking down all the statistics and taking down all the articles about you know present players and all this stuff. Like I mean, come on, like that's just childish. Like the players are being a little bit like just kind of like you know maybe it sounds like they're whining a little bit, but but MLB is just being childish. Not we're not going to talk to you. I mean, it's like come on, man. Like like just 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 figure it out. Talk 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 with them. They're not going to hurt you. Talk with them. Like. I don't care if they're you're mad at them or not. Like, I mean, uh, people are gonna have to you're gonna have to learn to get along with people that you know. You know, I I, I get that I get that both sides are upset. I don't know why any MLB is so upset. I mean, I can get why the players in some fac- facets are upset, but you know, like we're not gonna talk to you. Like, I mean, come on, man. That, that's just. They should be they should be sitting there negotiating every single day right now. Every single day they should be sitting there for eight hours discussing things, coming up with ideas, figuring out how they can come to an agreement and, and they're not even talking. I mean right. it's
0: just like it like I, I, I was telling somebody this yesterday. I don't understand what's so hard about negotiating. Why can't you get into a room with the? It, these aren't massive groups of people meeting. First of all, these are like three from each side. It's like six or eight people maximum in this negotiations. Like, why can't these three to six? People, I don't even care if it's a damn Zoom meeting. Like, we've found out that you can meet from wherever you want to meet from. You don't even have to have a, a you know hotel bills or any of this. You can get into a meeting and literally negotiate for eight hours a day. And if you actually did that face to face, and you had those people negotiating, and you just sat there until you got it done, I bet you get it done within a week and a half to two weeks. Like they, the the negotiations don't have to be this hard. All it has to be is, what do you want? What do I want? What are you actually going to accept? What am I actually going to accept? And where's the middle ground for us? Like, and that's the part that I don't think they're at. It's basically at like, hey. I want this. This is what I'm going to accept, and I'm not moving off of this from the owner's side. And then the player's side's like, Well, we want this, and we'll give you like a little bit under this, but we're not going to give you way under this. Like, and then the owner's like, Well, we see that you wanted, now you're talking a little bit more, but then how about if we shrink it to this? And it's like, That's not a good look for either side. But I don't understand from my side, at least, how negotiation can, negotiations can be so hard. Like it doesn't take that long to tell somebody something and then them to say yes or no. And then it doesn't take that long for them to rebuttal to you and then you to say yes or no. Like I feel that if you, you went for one objective of day, like if you went on there and say, okay, starting tomorrow on Wednesday, we're going to go into this meeting and we're going to resolve the pre-R bonus pool negotiation. You're telling me after eight or nine hours, you guys couldn't come to some sort of an agreement for the pre arb negotiate, like for the pre arb bonus pool and how many players and what it's supposed to be. And then the next day, Hey, then let's look into service time manipulation and then talk for seven or eight hours there. And then that's solved. Like you could literally take it each step to one day and we'd be done with this whole scenario. We're at what 69 days or 70 days of locked out baseball at this point.
1: Yeah, and there's been like five meetings.
0: Yeah, meetings. No, I mean maybe five meetings.
1: And they're, and every one of them has been like an hour apiece. It's not like they're sitting there for eight hours at the negotiation table. Like, exactly. It's like we've had something like four or five meetings, and every one of them has been like an hour, hour and a half. Basically what they're doing is they're just laying out what their proposal is, and then the other side won't won't, won't talk to them. Like it, I mean that's what it is every time.
0: The other it's side, getting, it's well, getting let me, really – yeah, the other side like let saying, me take this and go yeah. look over it for then a they week and a half. They,
1: and then they come up, and then they don't even they don't they don't use any of the terms to negotiate off of. They're just making a new one that's completely weird. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I you know, I think that there's kind of the final thought because we're starting to kind of r- ramble on yeah. a lot. I think that with when it comes to baseball, there's a sentiment from the owners, and I think this is kind of the big deal here there's a sentiment from the owners that the, that baseball because of the lack of salary cap is the most player friendly you know it, thing in sports because of you know cuz other other places have salary caps they have max contracts in, the, in the, like in the NBA
0: and they're um, not fully guaranteed
1: and they're not fully guaranteed so and and in some ways it's true because if you're get to a free agency in, in the major leagues like if you make it to free agency you're gonna make you're gonna make more guaranteed money than any other sport I mean it's true but at the same time you know there's a lot of things that need to be looked at that, that are I think for for a lot of for a lot of baseball players the the young days when you first get when you're in the minor leagues which there, sounds like they've addressed a little bit of that you know through just kind of minor league stuff but when you're in the minor leagues and then when you first get to the major leagues you know like like if you look at like like take a look at the at the NFL you know you sign you get a quarterback in the draft like pick them first overall i mean they're going to be making like you know millions and millions and millions of dollars immediately like look at baseball you know you have to be lucky enough to not get injured and to perform you your age you know 25 26 to even get a slight pay raise And then, you know, now if you make it a free agency, you're going to balloon. But I think some of what the players want to do is take some of that money that the top level players are making at age 30, 31, where they hit free agency, and they want that money to go to guys who are just, because I mean, there's, there's been so many careers where you had such a great player that played like 40 years in the big leagues, you know, and, and made league minimum and then got hurt and never was able to fully capitalize on that. Like how many times have we seen that before? And I think that's something where the the, the owner the, the players really think that there's that it's not quite as friendly to the it's not quite as friendly to the players as it might appear from the outside since they don't have a salary cap and they don't have max contracts. Because I mean, like I say, you go seven you can, you got to be in the majors for like seven years and, and be super good before you can get that big payday. So I think that's kind of what the players want to look at. And, and I think probably what ends up is gonna have to happen at some point is that there's going to have to be some kind of limitation on what players over, you know, what players when they hit free agency, you know, there's going to end up being some kind of limitation on, on those contracts in, in exchange for having a lot more money paid to younger players. I think eventually, like that might not happen in this CBA, but I think that's eventually where this thing's going to head. So, uh, but we'll see what happens. I'm, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm obviously I'm optimistic and hopeful that something gets done pretty soon. I mean, I'd love to see, baseball start on top. so but uh that's kind of the final thought here and hopefully yeah, yeah. they figure something out so
0: yeah absolutely i mean i know we we rambled on a little bit too much here at the end of this episode but i think it was kind of a, a little frustration for both of us of this kind of negotiation area and this kind of our area where we could take it out and have you guys listen to us do it but um you know thank you guys for at least listening to us ramble and tuning into this episode of the Batflip podcast and we'll catch you guys next week